Hi, I'm Ezra Jordan, and you're listening to Talkin' Blues. You started the piano really early, at the age of four, I believe. Four, four and a half? That's correct, yeah. Tell me what your connection to music was back then. Well, uh, you know, I grew up in a musical family uh, in a household that was always full of music and, and with parents that did it as a living. So, you know, it, it kind of came naturally to me. And uh, we even have little home videos of me before the age of four, before I had started officially playing piano, where I was in like my high chair or something and my mom would be playing some, some song off the radio and I'd be like banging along, playing drums kind of <laughs> as a toddler. So it was really always inside of me, um, even before I had the, the means to really express it. And uh, yeah, my, my parents just bred it into me at an early age. And I can see why that would happen. But um, was there a, ever a moment that music just made sense to you? Or was it just a thing that was always there? You know, I, I mean, there, there's a few pivotal moments. Obviously, it was always there. And I, I liked uh, it came easy to me. And I always enjoyed the, the release of it, I guess. But it, it wasn't. At an early age, when I was only doing piano lessons and classical music and, and like the by the book stuff, it didn't have the same meaning for me uh, as it does now. And I know when I was uh, a little bit older, I want to say maybe 13, 12 or 13, uh, my piano teacher, she's wonderful, her name is Madoka Murata, and she's one of the, she has like an amazing program all over the city of Toronto where she uh, has kids that come and make music in ensembles. She started the school around when I was that age and I was one of the first kids to start playing music with uh, in her school with other people so it was rock ensembles jazz ensembles vocal ensembles whatever you style you name it and that was when I really started to um, I don't know it, it, it's just a really different vibe than you know playing playing Chopin or something I, I love classical music too but it that was where it really uh, fostered a big love of it for me uh, playing on stage and just sort of planted the seed of creating my own music rather than playing other stuff that had already been written. Wow, so you started playing on stage at that point, like pretty early. So, sort of. I mean, she had recitals that we played at. It wasn't like, uh, you know, the same as a concert that I'd play now. But it was playing in, it was mostly at rehearsal studios and stuff. But it was playing with a live band, not really necessarily in front of people all that often. But it was, a, you know, they were playing for each other. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the same as like a live show feel in that regard. We were playing as a band, so. So initially it would have been classical music that you started with? Yeah, just from the piano repertoire side of things, you know, when you're trying to do your Royal Conservatory, grade seven, grade eight, whatever it is. Um, I And I, you know, I'd like to learn from a young age. I was, I never was very good at reading music, um, which my piano teachers hated, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I always like to learn things by ear. So, you know, if there's some Coldplay song I liked or whatever, I would just sort of fiddle around and, and figure it out myself. And I, I learned um, a lot of music that I just like to listen to. Uh, I learned to play it myself. And then my dad had a, also a great love of jazz. So when I got a little bit older, I sort of started appreciating it myself and, and teaching myself some stuff um, from that world as well. So was was picking up or trying to figure out songs um, just by hearing it, was that an easy thing that, to you? Way easier than the alternative, that's for sure. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just practice like anything else. I mean, there, there's some people that can sight-read a piece of music like that. I just... Uh, I was very easily frustrated as a child with things that, that didn't come immediately and, and figuring things out by ear uh, didn't 
present the same frustration to me. So uh, I, I just took to that really quickly. And I, I still, if you give me like a chord chart, if you say like, oh, it's an A minor to a D major to an E minor, I can play that. But if you put them on a, a regular like notated staff, I'd, I can barely get through it to this day. But I could learn something <laughs> by ear really quickly. <laughs> well, how did you get through your early classes? Don't you, isn't that learning through reading notes and I just memorized it all by ear. <laughs> Even I'd listen to my piano teacher play it, and then I'd sort of think about it all week, practice a little, and then I'd kind of pick it up by by the next week somehow. I, I don't really know, to be honest. You know what she did, actually? She used to write out some, uh, like, not on a staff, but just on a regular blank piece of paper. She'd write out the chord, uh, the chords and the root notes, and then I would kind of just fill in the blanks myself. But uh, it was definitely a weird way of going about it. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I always find it fascinating because that whole idea of people who can read, who do sight reading and they can play it perfectly versus those who improvise and people who can play uh, through reading might not be able to improvise at all. And I find that concept rather fascinating. It's kind of neat that you're kind of in the middle. Yeah, I think improvisation sort of uh, these days is thought of as like a, a jazz thing I th or, you know, I mean, rock music, they have souls and stuff too. But I think early on, uh, when classical music was the pop music of the day. I think that there was even improvisations, maybe to a little bit of a lesser extent, but there was still some kind of personal touch. Um, and obviously, you know, classical musicians at that time were, were very good readers, all of them. Uh, but I think there was still room for improvisation then, and it sort of changed to be an either-or in a lot of cases at this point. So it is an interesting uh, contrast for sure. So when you started off with classical music and then went to other forms of music, how... I mean, you obviously said your dad was into jazz and, and um, that was an influence. But what was your personal love of music? What genre? Uh, you know, things have obviously changed as I've, I've grown older. But I used to listen to um, when I was a, a young kid, like I loved the Black Eyed Peas and Sum 41 when I was like, you know, 10, 10 11, 12 years old. And then it kind of grew into Coldplay and uh, John Mayer and D'Angelo as I got a little bit older. And now my, my tastes are kind of all over the board. I, I mean, I, I love, I sort of think of my own style as somewhere in between like the soul R&B thing, the singer-songwriter thing, and the pop thing. So anywhere in between those three triangulated points is, is, is good with me as long as the song is good. But uh, I grew up on a, a diverse range of music for sure. So I think I, I could pull from a lot of stuff um, just depending on my mood. I, I can imagine. So tell me about singing. Where did, where did that come in? That was, I was really late to the game with that one. Um, like I said, my parents are both singers, songwriters themselves, and, and my grandfather was also a, a singer. So I have long bloodlines of that, but I never, ever sang when I was a kid. Like, not even in the shower, like never. Um, and I, I very much knew I wanted to be a musician or do something in the field of music from a young age, but singing or writing songs was not... Uh, really on the table for me. I think for a couple of reasons. Namely, I was very, very shy. Um, and also because I wanted to differentiate myself from what my parents did a little bit. You know, they were singing and writing songs, so I wanted to do my own thing. And I figured that would manifest as, you know, production or something behind the scenes because I was so shy. Um, but when I, I had this crazy sports injury when I was 18, and uh, that, I, I blew my knee out and I, I was forced to lie in bed for about a year and a half and I had a bunch of surgeries and, and all this stuff going on so I couldn't sit at the piano 
hardly at all, uh, which is when I turned to singing just because I didn't have any other musical outlet that I could really grasp um, because I was in bed. So that, that's when I started singing and writing songs and, and it kind of snowballed from there. Really? So that's, that's the, the origins of your songwriting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I never, not, I didn't even sit down and try to write a song with like lyrics and a melody ever before that. I don't even think even one time. Interesting. I know it all probably gets brought up every time you get an interview, but we should say who your parents are. Yeah, they've got a really impressive uh, career at this point. It's I'm, I'm constantly in awe of them. Honestly, looking back on it, the, the more that I do myself, I'm like, wow, I can't believe they did that. Uh, their names are Amy Sky and Mark Jordan, and, and my dad is both of them actually. But I mean, my dad, I think, is pushing f- more than 50 years in his career, and he's still singing and writing songs pretty much every day in his office. So it's uh, it's a lifelong thing for both of them. So even though music was around the house all the time, it wasn't like the family sat around and sang. No, not not together anyway. I mean, it, uh, they had their my mom had her office, my dad had his office. They were working at home on music all the time, but it wasn't a collaborative thing. I think the first time we all ever sat and like played a th- a show of any kind together was a couple years back. Uh, we did a little like a radio show Christmas thing. And the four of us were on stage and we sang songs with each other. And we had literally never done that in the, I mean, at that point, I think it was 24 years old. Never, never done that before. So we, as much as we go to each other for advice and ask questions and talk about music, we don't perform with each other very often or write. Well, that, mm. I mean, that kind of makes sense, but you know, I could also imagine you guys just sitting around and singing songs at Christmas or whatever. So, yeah, um, it's uh, some some I know other kids from musical families that do that. But I think we also are very different musically, like our musical styles. My sister is one thing. I'm one thing. My mom is one right. thing. My dad's another. And there's similarities, but I think there's more that's different than there is the same. OK, so at what point did you decide that you want to be you wanted to go into music? Uh, in this capacity, when I was about. 19 or 20 but you know I I knew music of some kind I wanted to do forever since I was since I touched a piano essentially so about from the age of four uh, I just didn't know what capacity yet so um I don't there's always moments of doubt where I'm like oh maybe I don't this is hard do I want to keep doing this whatever but I've never really considered doing anything other than music since since the age of four but um I didn't know it was going to be singing on stage until much later when I was about 18 or 19. Right, because initially you wanted to be a piano player or producer kind of guy, right? Yeah, something where I could put out music or play music, but not have to have anyone see me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you're lying in bed, your life has kind of changed, or it's been put on hold, and you decide to write songs. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I get that, but what, like, how did that make you overcome your shyness to say, hey, I want to get up and sing in front of people? Because that's a big step. Yeah, it, it was a big step, and it was a combination of two things. Firstly, um, the timing of the injury was when I was about to go off to university, um, and all my friends were you know, doing the same, and I, it happened right at the end of the summer, and suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, you're not going to university this year. you you got to recover from this thing and, and hopefully keep your leg. Uh, so it was really difficult. So was it that bad? Was it, it that yeah, it was really, really serious. I, I was probably hours away from, from losing my leg. I was up in cottage country and uh, water skiing. And I, I, among other things, I ruptured the artery in my thigh, my femoral artery. So that's your hours away from, from death or, or losing your leg at that point. So they had to airlift me back to Toronto and uh, do emergency surgery to save, save me. Yikes. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was a fluke, honestly. Like that, People hurt themselves water skiing, sure. But 
Um, usually it's not a life-threatening thing. This was was crazy out of the blue. You, you never see that kind of thing happen. So, uh, I mean, obviously it changed your life. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and obviously the direction. Definitely. And I think I wouldn't take it back now if I could. I mean, I got, I got a bunch of big scars on my leg and I, um, you know, I can't run or jump quite the same way that I would have before. There's obviously certain drawbacks to it, but I wouldn't take it back at all because in that year that I was lying in bed recovering, I had a radical personality shift and and, and a radical shift in my priorities. I realized what's important because, you know, I was always a pretty cautious person, but you just you never know when something's just going to be taken away from you and it's not always uh, under your control. And all these years that I had spent being shy and anxious and and worrying about what people thought and not wanting to put myself out there for fear of whatever might happen, I kind of just realized pretty suddenly that that is not important because you can't take anything for granted. So that was a big catalyst in getting me to, you know, think about performing my music in front of people. But also, because I started writing songs, it was the first time that I really created something um, that was personal and that I it, it, you, I felt like more of a drive to share it with people than when I just like, oh, look at this song that I can sing or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, the, the combination of those two things were like, yeah, it really makes sense for me to get on stage and, and share my music with people more than it ever had in the past. I imagine songwriting is not an easy thing to do. Your parents do it quite well. I don't know if you went to them for any advice at that point. Uh, you know, not not directly, but it, I've been getting advice from them indirectly my whole life. I, I mean, they, they most of the time they write, they do it at the house, or I, I get to see their process. And my parents have, you know, they're they're smart. They, <laughs> they never pushed me so hard into music directly, but I think that they always knew subconsciously that not only would I do it, but that I I wanted to do it even if I didn't say it. So they were always (laughs) dripping little pieces of advice on me. My mom would put on a song in the car and she's like, oh, this chorus is so satisfying because of this payoff. Or my dad would be, you know, telling me about his philosophy of writing, how he gets his kind of weird, surreal imagery into his songs. And and, uh, I I learned a lot through osmosis that way. So um, I, I go to them for advice sometimes if I'm stuck and whatever, but I realize a lot of the time without even knowing it at first, the reason that I make a choice in a song or write this lyric is is something that my parents have instilled in me long ago that I didn't even realize at the time. And that makes sense. And um, and I don't. I presume it's not automatic that you would have a decent voice because your parents have great voices. But you obviously do. Um, how how was that when you when you decided that you would start singing on your own? What was that process like? Honestly, I think I owe a lot of my voice. Obviously, my, you know, my parents have both have their great voices in their own regard. Um, and I, I definitely sound a lot like my dad did at this age. So I'm, I think I'm just sort of lucky to, to have his um, his voice from a genetic standpoint. But also, uh, when I started singing, I was obsessed with this song by Alan Stone. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called Unaware. I, I sing it uh, live sometimes. I, I think there's a version of me doing it on YouTube as well. But uh it's got this crazy modulation at the end, super, super high part. And I would just, I was obsessed with it. I couldn't get out of my head. So I kept singing that. And I think because of that, I, I developed kind of a big range because it has that crazy high part and my normal speaking voice is fairly low. Um, so I think that definitely has something to do with the way that my voice is now, just because of the, the kinds of songs that I incessantly drilled into my voice at the beginning of it. And uh, now I just, now I sing how I do. So, <laughs> okay. So, Tell me about that process of lying in bed and thinking, I'm going to start writing songs. I'm going to start singing them. Well, how, what was that process like and how easy was that? Uh, you know, it's 
part of it's easy and part of it's hard. Uh, songwriting is funny that way. I mean, I, I just wrote a song yesterday that someone uh, they wanted. They, someone sent me a track on Instagram. They're like, "Hey, I think you would be good. We're just looking for lyrics and melody." And I, I wrote it in an hour. But it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, and I just had a lot of things inside that I had to get out. And that's when I find writing to be the easiest. Uh, so obviously with recovering from this whole injury, um, once I could sort of sit a little more comfortably at a desk, the first thing I wanted to do was, was write about that year and how I felt and how I was different. And I just had a lot to say. So, um, one of the things my father always told me is that in a good song, all aspects of it have to say the same thing. So obviously the words explicitly say the meaning, but the melody, if the word, if the so, lyrics are about something sad, the melody has to be sad. You, you know, you, it can get more right. complex than that, but every, every piece of musical music, verbal or nonverbal has a meaning. So I kind of started there and I was still comfortable playing piano, not yet comfortable writing songs. So I would try and come up with a chord progression or a, a, a sound, a loop of some kind that sounded like my feeling felt and then I would go from there and and that's a really good philosophy I think for for writing songs that impact on multiple levels and when you wrote these songs because once again I think writing songs is a difficult thing to do um I hear people talk about some of the greatest songs that were written just they were it kind of channeled through them and things just happen and they might have been the easiest one they wrote but I presume that it, it's it's not an easy thing to write a song. How easy was it for you to start writing? It can be difficult to start, and sometimes it. The, the, I think that's the stuff you hear about more often. Sometimes you you take a song and you you write it, and it's you don't even think about it, you, anything of it for six months or a year, and then you come back to it and you're like, oh, you know, maybe this was good, and you change it. That writing is so nonlinear that way. I've had songs that come out of me in 20, 30 minutes. I've had songs that take me six hours or three days or whatever. Um, it, it, it's always just uh, writing as much as possible. I, I see watch the work ethic of my parents and I just kind of treat it like a muscle. You got to write a bunch of bad songs in order to write a good one. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes I sit down and I want to write a song and it's easy or it's hard. Sometimes I don't want to write a song and I make myself create something at least. So you got to work through the hard bits in order to make the easy bits uh, closer together, if that makes any sense. Right. And how do you treat your writing? Do you... Is it like a, a routine? I presume in some ways it might be for your parents where they might write on a regular basis or every morning they get up and work on a song or whatever. How, how do you write? Uh, I often try, I mean, I have a little running list of titles and concepts in my phone, just like a, a little word document. And I have, uh, you know, my voice notes when I come up with a little idea. Sometimes I try, I do like do some production and stuff too. So sometimes I try and come up with a little instrumental and then I'll write to it. Sometimes I just, something pops into my head. It comes with all, in all different ways. But for me, I just try and uh, keep, keep outputting something, if not every day, at least a few times a week where if it's not a full-fledged song, that's okay. But just keeping the, the muscle strong of like creating a little, little something, a chord progression with a melody or just like a, a verse or something here. I, and that way I just always, sometimes I end up cobbling together different things from different times also, I mean, I, I've, I've written a song and then like, I don't like it, but I'm writing a song later and I just steal the chorus from another song I wrote and, and put it together. So there's no rules really, but I just try and, uh, and have a, a consistent output, I, a routine, kind of like you said, like I just always want to be doing something so that I can uh, be warmed up, so to speak, when the, when the real inspiration hits. 
So how long did it take for you to gather enough songs that you felt, yeah, I, I want to, this is what I want to do? From, from the moment of the accident to where you thought, this is the route I'm taking. Um, I mean, I knew that I had to write, I, I wrote a lot of bad songs that will never see the light of day that I am... <laughs> hope that no one ever has to hear. Um, <laughs> but I know that after, after the injury, um, I, it took about a year and a half to fully recover, but I was well enough to go to school after about a year. So, um, I went, I I'd planned to go to Guelph for music and I went there, um, the following year. And I, I after first year it was okay, but I kind of was like, eh, this is not for me. And I ended up going to school in Los Angeles and that was when I, I feel like things really started to take more of a, a focused professional turn, I guess you could say. I was out in L.A. and I went to the Musicians Institute there. It was a pretty cool time. But the best thing about it was that I didn't know that many people in L.A. And I was basically in my little apartment writing a ton of songs. And in six months, I wrote like 60 or 70 songs. And wow. my writing went from like a, just took a went to the next level, I think, because, um, you know, you just. It's just like anything, it's practice. So from then on, I was like, this um, is definitely something I think I can do. And it wasn't too much later when I came home from L.A. that I, I met my, my wonderful manager, Lucas, and he started taking the things that I was just creating and, and pretty much doing nothing with and actually putting it out in the world. And that's when I, I felt like a, a real professional, I guess, at that point. How much gigging were you doing at this point? Not a lot. Um, not much. I, don't, I didn't get... Um, I think I've been only playing shows for the last three and a, three or four years at this point. So, and this was the accident happened in 2012. So that was quite a while ago. Um, I had, I remember I'd stockpiled a bunch of songs and I, I thought I had an, enough good ones to play a show. Um, but I didn't have a band and I hadn't played them live really. So I, I enlisted the help of a really awesome family friend named Justin Abbott and he helped me put my live show together. And that's when, uh, that's when that started happening. That was probably three and a half, four years ago. Wow, so that's that's pretty recent. Yeah, it's been a slow moving, uh, slow moving process. If you look at it in the terms of when I really decided I wanted to be a musician, which was you know when I was four, <laughs> and then when I started writing songs, which was when I was eighteen. So you know, I, I'm that tends to be a pattern in my life. I'm kind of a slow, slow burner. So it makes sense. Okay, so you decide that you want to do this. Tell me about the live experience and how you adjusted to that. Uh, that was definitely. A, a hurdle to overcome it's funny just just this morning my manager sent me a little you know those like uh social media flashback things where it shows you what you were doing on this day three <laughs> years ago yeah and uh i think one of my very first shows was was to this day three years ago at the piston in toronto uh and i i just he showed me it was a little video clip of me someone took in the audience and i look like a deer in the headlights it's so funny <laughs> uh what do you and, remember about it uh, i remember i mean i remember it going well uh in in you know, no major screw-ups i guess but I, I just know like how how much less comfortable i felt on stage than i do now and um i just uh, you have there's no way to to know what it's like to perform your own music in front of people until you do it and uh you know doesn't matter if I was able to flawlessly play my own music in my own living room. It's just really different when you have the eyes of 100 people on you. So um, that was definitely a lot to, to, to figure out, but I'm s still slowly getting there. I'm still by no means uh, a superstar in that regard, but it's something I'm working on. What did you learn from that night? Uh, I definitely learned that 
playing live is something I want to keep doing because I, it's a, you get a big rush when you, when you get that first wave of applause from the audience. And, and I, it went from being something that I romanticized in my head to something that was very much attainable. It felt like, you know, everyone's like, Oh yeah. When you write these songs, like, Oh, this is a great song. People are going to love it. But then once it's time for you to get up on stage and play it, you're like, what if they don't love it? (laughs) And it becomes scary (laughs) pretty immediately. But you know, I, I always feel like even now I'm not necessarily scared to go on stage, but for that first few moments on stage, when I'm first singing the first song, I'm like, Oh God, okay, we're doing this. But once the audience claps after your first song, you're like, ah, they're on my side. It's all good. So uh, that that took a while to to learn the ebbs and flows of that for sure. But um, I feel like I'm getting a handle on it now. Okay, so from that point to now, in between, you were also on the launch. Yes. Um, for for people who might not know the show very well, tell me what the concept of that show is. So it was a, a music reality show, but not exactly in the same vein as The Voice or American Idol or some of the other ones that you may have seen. It had a bit more of a focus on the actual industry side of things, um, which I thought was cool. And basically, um, they had a few people like Scott Borchetta, who is um, CEO of a, a big record company called uh, Big Machine, and he's uh, had a big hand in Taylor Swift's career or whatever. They had some big music industry people uh, that were regulars on the show, and then they'd pick like a, a superstar songwriter uh, who's written hits and whatever. They come to the table, they come to the episode with a song, and they're trying to find the right artist to sing that song and sort of put their own touch on it. So what made you decide that this is the route that you want to take or how did that happen that you wanted to be one of the contestants if that's the right word well they have especially for a show like this they did have open auditions but because they're looking for artists more so than just like the hidden uh random like ordinary everyday person that can sing really well they were looking for musicians specifically so um they had an a and r team on the show that that sent me and a, and a number of other people an email and they're like, Hey, you should, you should try out for the show. I think you'd be cool. And I sent them a little video audition and, uh, recorded a couple tunes of me just singing and playing piano. And they wanted me to come in and do a, a live audition. So that was kind of the process. I, they, they reached out to me. Um, but oh, so you didn't apply to them. Yeah. I mean, I still had to audition like everybody else, but yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know about, and they, like I said, they did have open auditions, but I didn't know about, um, the show until they reached out to me. I think someone just had seen some of my stuff on Spotify and, you know, maybe they had just heard of me through my parents or through something, but, uh, it was, yeah, a guy named Fraser, Fraser was the A&R guy on that show and he reached out to me via email. Okay. So when you got that email, what did you think? I was just like, this is pretty wild. I mean, I didn't think anything of it. It, it seemed like a little bit of a pipe dream to, to go on a, an actual nationally broadcast television show. But I thought, you know, what's, it's just a couple hours of my time and I may as well send it in. But <laughs> I didn't hear anything back for a little while and I kind of forgot about it. But then they're like, Hey, you, we want you to come in person and do this. So I was like, okay, I, I guess this is happening. It felt pretty unreal until I was there. And then I was, they built an entire uh, set and recording studio performance stage. It was like a, you know, it was a, a top-notch production. So it was crazy to be there and, and uh, meet the people that I, I met there as well. It was a really great experience that way. I'm sure. Did you have any, um, uh, I don't know, did you think this out and think, oh, here's the positives and here's the negatives of that? Like, was there a negative to doing this? Yeah, I mean, overall, it was definitely a positive experience. But, you know, you you, you hear stories like these shows are the the one gripe I might have about not just the launch, but, you know, the music reality show thing in general is that 
it's a TV show first and foremost. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're really their best interest is to make a good TV show. And then the career and like longevity of your stuff is, is kind of secondary and not necessarily in a malicious way, but it's, it is a TV show. You know, it's not like the same as a, a record exec saying, Hey, we want to give you a record deal and make your career because Right. In that case, his job is to make your career so you can both make money. But this is really about the TV show. So that can be sometimes sometimes an issue. And, you know, you've, you've heard in the music industry, you hear things about guys that get locked into contracts and whatever from, from various shows. Um, but, you know, I, I figured it can't hurt to just go on a nationally televised show. That's only a, a good, can only be a good bump for my career and, and whatever happens happens. And, uh, as long as I don't sign my life away, there's, there's not too much of a downside and, and that's exactly how it went. Okay. So where were you at the point when you auditioned for them? Um, how comfortable were you, were you with performing and being on stage at that point? I was definitely more comfortable than in that little memory that my manager shared with me today. Uh, but, you know, I would say not not where I am today. And it is definitely a different beast when it's not... It's pretty easy to entertain a bunch of, like, random people that are drinking in a bar as opposed to, like, hey, here's Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas, who I, like, was obsessed with when I was 11 years old, and, and Stefan Macchio, who wrote the Olympic theme and, uh, you know, Wrecking Ball from Miley Cyrus. Why don't you... S- try to impress them in five minutes and go. That is definitely, you know, a lot more nerve wracking. <laughs> so yeah, sure. I remember my heart beating out of my chest at that point. It's also a funny story. Stefan Macchio, I've known him since I was a kid because he worked with my parents. He, one of my favorite songs of all time was something that my dad and Stefan wrote together uh, much before he was doing the sort of the pop stuff that he is now. But God, he, I was, it was, I had no idea he was going to be on my episode. And then I walked on the <laughs> stage and like, oh, here's Stefan. Like, what? It's crazy. Okay, so what did you learn from that experience of being on that show? I just learned that um, that I'm, I guess, I, a professional caliber musician, and I'm, and it's not just my parents telling me that. Um, like, <laughs> it's it's funny hearing. You know, your parents are always your parents, even though my parents are I, I know a lot about the industry and have have done great things themselves. Part of me, when they say like, oh, yeah, that great, you just wrote a great song, good job. Part of me is like, well, is that the music mom or the mom mom saying that? Because it's, it's hard to know. They're, they're biased is really what I'm saying. But I, <laughs> I, well, I, hopefully uh, they are. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing. You know, you, yeah, yeah. I love the support from my, from my family. And also, you know, sometimes it can mean a little extra when I can tell when they're genuinely, if they ever are genuinely impressed by something that I do, that I'm, I know that it's both their parental instincts and their musical instincts. So that, that is a nice feeling. Um, but I, I made it to the runner up position, like it, how it worked in the show, uh, was there's five contestants to start and then they narrow it down to two. Uh, and those two record a real version of the song and then they are head to head in a live performance. So I made the top two and that was very validating for sure. Cause that means I, I'm not just wasting my time and, and uh, I might have something here. So that was definitely a great feeling. For sure. At that point you, you say, okay, this is basically definitely what I want to do. Um, I presume that being on a show like that brings an audience to you. I mean, that obviously gets your name out there, and obviously it's great exposure. And in this case, I presume that you actually get fans from that experience. Oh, yeah, definitely. Overnight, I got a bunch more, uh, like, Instagram followers and people commenting on my YouTube videos. And, you know, they that's exactly what 
I had hoped would happen at the very least from, from being put on a platform like that. And the other nice thing about it was that I had that, it was almost like a notch on the belt, you know, whenever I'm trying to play a gig or, or do something else to be like, I'm that guy that was on this TV show and instantly that ends, lends me a little bit of credibility, which was, was great for sure. And are you seeing the results of that when you play live? I mean, people coming up to you and saying, I love watching you in the launch. And Yeah, especially in that in that first little while afterwards. I mean, since then, there's been, you know, more episodes of the launch and and it's been a, a couple of years since then. So um, that happens less and less. But definitely, I still get um, people like someone who even follow me on Instagram to this day and I look at their profiles like, oh, yeah, they follow me and these other three people from the launch and, and that's it. So that clearly that's where they heard of me from. So it's kind of a ripple effect. And um, yeah, it's a good thing to be associated with for sure. Tell me, you just released an EP. Um, hmm. First of all, why an EP as opposed to a full album? And that might be just because I'm old and I don't understand this, but tell me the thinking behind that. Uh, it just has to do with the the way that music is consu- uh, consumed these days. A, a, a full album is great, but I think that you, in order to make it worthwhile to put out a song, a, a project with you know ten, eleven tracks or something like that, you got to really have a, a solid fan base that is, uh, you sort of identifies as your fan. Just like I would be like anything that John Mayer puts out, I will automatically give a listen to. Um, and I, you, you gotta, it's, it's, if you want to put out a, like a bigger thing like that, it's definitely worth it to, to have a, a large number of fans like that. And a lot of people, I mean, I, before I put the EP out, I put out as many songs as are on the EP, I think as singles, uh, just because that's the way with, with streaming, people tend to listen to singles and they don't n- sit and listen to an album front to back the way that we used to. Um, but that said, I, the reason I chose to do an EP as opposed to a bunch of little singles, which I, you know, I, I could have as easily done is because I felt like these songs were cohesive and they were all pretty much written about the same event. So it made sense to uh, put them together as a package. And also I wanted to, you know, it's just something, there's something, it's a personal goal and a personal accomplishment of mine to have like a, a full on EP. There's, it just, uh, seems like the next step after putting out a bunch (laughs) of singles. So that makes sense. Um, if I was to ask you what your goals are, I often ask musicians about what, if they had a five-year plan or if they had a plan going forward, sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's just get the gig, get paid, get the next gig. But mm-hmm. do you have a, a goal? Do you have a path that you want to carve out for yourself? Yeah, I, I mean, I would love to go on a, a proper North American and or European tour and, and play decent-sized venues and, and like have just grow my grow my brand, grow my music over a, a larger um, area right now I mean I, I have like fans in Toronto I have fans in New York I have fans in LA um, from playing shows and stuff there but I want to keep growing to the point where I can sort of choose the people that I want to write with and make music with and I can go and and play in a large number of, uh, of cities around America and, and sort of see spread my music in person to people that way because right now I've done some tours but they've been smaller ones around Ontario it's it's Canada especially is a difficult place to tour just because everything is so far apart so mm-hmm. um yeah I'd, I'd love to to get a I have my U.S. citizenship now I can go tour in the U.S. now so that that is on the docket in the next few years for sure and how do you make that happen how do you achieve this thing of touring the states touring Europe well you gotta go there first I mean I I my plan was to move down to LA uh this month actually in april but 
uh, obviously with the things that are going on in the world right now, that's not in the cards. So I'm, I'm waiting uh, until things calm down and I, I'm going to move down there and, and try and put my roots down. Like I said, I went to school out there, so I know some people and I have a bit of a, a foundation and I just, once I meet some musicians there and, and get a little bit further into the musical scene, I'll just start booking gigs and I, you know, you, you put enough music out, you call venues and see if they're interested and you can just plot it out. That's, uh, that's the plan. Okay. So you would have a younger audience base than, than obviously me. Is, is the goal to do live or is the goal to get stuff out there through video and then become more of an internet thing? The two things go hand in hand. I mean, honestly, you, you get a bigger reach over the internet, of, of course, because it's global and you can, it's at the click of a mouse, but there's not a lot of money in that. So it, it, touring is, is where there's the one thing where you can still make some money because streaming doesn't really pay a lot as, as opposed to album sales or, or like uh, traditional terrestrial radio. So I hope to, you know, it's all streaming is almost like a means to an end. And that end is, is generally touring. I mean, uh, you, you can make money through endorsements or, or like sync movie TV placements as well. But I'd like to, you know, have a grow my following online so that um, people in, you know, Minnesota, where I've never been, I don't know anyone from there. Somehow, you know, if they find my stuff on the Internet, I can go there and make sure that there's a crowd of people that, that want to come see me play live. So right now, do you have a live band that you have? Used? I guess you, you must because you're going to go on tour this month, were you not? Uh, yeah, well, we were going to play, I was going to play a couple more shows in Toronto and, and then I was going to move down to LA. So I have my awesome band here in Toronto. I, I, I love, and I actually, going back to my piano teacher, Madoka, she, she introduced me to, uh, one of them when I was like 13 or something. And one of them is from that ensemble thing I used to play at. It's called discovery through the arts. His name's Jack. He's an awesome bass player. And, uh, yeah, I play with my, uh, band here and they've gone on tour with me around Ontario and even one of them my drummer has come uh, on writing trips and played some shows in like in BC and down in LA as well so I've, I've done a lot with them but um, the cross-border thing can be tough so if I'm going to do a US tour we either have to get them visas or I got to find a US band that's a whole whole logistical thing I got to take care of later on but and, and then moving to LA how important is that for your career I think it's really important and maybe not as important as it once was. I know, you know, in the seventies, my dad went down to LA, he got a record deal and, and that was sort of the next big step in his career. But with the way that computers and technology have changed the music creation process, you don't need to go to LA. There's, you can do a lot of things over the internet. That said, right. I, I feel as though, um, I have to put in at least a little bit of time there. I don't plan on living there forever. Although, you know, who knows? But I, I think that there's a lot of people down there that are making the kind of music that I want to make. And if, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than putting yourself in the proximity of the people doing what you want to do. So um, Canadian music has a lot of talent, but there's not the population to really support it. There's more people in California than there are in Canada. So um, where there's smoke, there's fire and you got to follow the smoke. Wow. It sounds like you have a plan. Yeah, that that's the plan. It's been I planned on um, being in LA even a lot sooner than than this year. I, after I went to school there, I came home, tried to get my my visa situation sorted out because my dad is technically American, and then uh, I went back down there, but it didn't come through in time, so I had to come home. And there was whole issue at the border, which is a, a tale as old as time when you're a musician. You, you know, we always get yeah, stopped yeah. at the borders. And uh, they actually tried to ban me from entering the United States for 10 years because they thought I was trying to illegal. I know it was ridiculous. I wasn't doing anything illegal, but I had no way to prove that I wasn't. So they, they thought I was trying to like move there permanently without proper status. So um, 
yeah, it was, it was a whole nightmare, but that del- delayed my plans. And I honestly, I'm not too upset about it because things really grew in Toronto the way when I was here anyway. So I don't know, you kind of, as much as you can make plans, s- sometimes you can't, um, predict what's going to happen. So I think I'll end up there eventually, but you know, I tried to move down there again, but then, then there was a global pandemic. So who knows what'll happen the third time. Okay. So how do you feel about that and, and living through this? Well, how does that affect, I mean, obviously it affects all of our lives, mm-hmm. but does that change um, your plans in any way? It obviously delayed my, my physical plans to move down there, but um, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to take this opportunity for what it is. And I have, I have free time and I have the ability to sit at home and create and not have to worry about too many of my other responsibilities. So I'm, I'm sort of treating it that way. And I, I mean, maybe this is sort of a, the, the writer in me, I'm always searching for things to write about, but this moment is very unique because we've had things happen in the past where the whole world has stopped in a way other, other like viruses and pandemics, world war one, world war two, things like that, where like the whole globe is affected However, mm-hmm. this is happening in that way and we can actually see it in real time. You know, you can see what someone is doing in Turkey on Instagram or whatever, you know, like you can see how it's affecting the whole world and never before has that really been the case. So it, it, this is a really fascinating moment in history. And I think that um, there's a lot of things that you can see in the world that you, and you'll never see them this way maybe ever again. So I'm sort of trying to take that opportunity to, to really focus on how to internalize what this moment is like, because I think there's going to be some great art that comes out of, out of this. And, and definitely it'll change the way that we do things. Um, if it keeps, if things don't get better soon, which it doesn't really seem like they will. It's a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks for doing this. Um, I listened to your EP and enjoyed it greatly. Um, I wish you all the best in these trying times, but you sound like you, you have a plan and it, it sounds like, you know what you're doing. I, I like to think so, but who knows? You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've, I'm lucky to have some some role models that have sort of traveled the road a little bit before I have. So, anytime I have any questions, I, they're usually the people that I go to. Them being my parents, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to make good music and, and hope that it finds the right people because I think that's really at the end of the day, those those are the only things I really have control over. So that's that's my plan. Yeah, well, it's a good plan. Um, thank you so much for doing this. It was a real pleasure meeting you. Hopefully one day we can meet in person. Um, yeah. And um, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks a lot, Marco. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you.